Let the games begin. Inconceivable! Come with me if you want to live. Do or do not. There is no trouble. Welcome to the Cine Siblings Draft, the show where two brothers pick a category within films and draft five movies to build the best possible top five. I'm Ian. I'm James. And we have a guest here for the first time. It's my lovely wife, Emily. Say hello, Emily. Hello, Emily. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> and uh, James, what are we drafting today? We are drafting per my request in honor of the Thanksgiving season. Family movies. That is live action family movies, meaning we are not including any of the great animated films uh, that really kind of honestly looking at this dominate the genre. Sorry, Frozen. (laughs) That was on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into the draft and we're going to actually, Emily, I want to hear just a little bit about your relationship with this genre within movies. Well, I love kid movies, even though I'm an adult, always have um, loved Disney princess movies and everything about it. I just love, I come from a huge family. So anytime we can do something as a family, we cherish that. So I think movies, that's a great way to bring the family together and spend some quality time. So uh, yeah, we grew up going to the movies a lot and it's just... A lot of good memories. Sweet. James, what is your relationship with this uh, nostalgia fuel well, genre? One, one of the things about about family movies is like like Emily said, you know, you have you have this attachment to it growing up as a family and but even as an adult you relate to it differently. Um, and sometimes it it like you said, it's nostalgia, which you know is it's Greek for coming home or going home. And uh, now as a dad, like you have uh, attachment to certain movies and and movies you have attachment to, like you want to share with your kids. Or um, I remember as, you know, being an uncle for the first time, you, you, you go, let me show, let me show our nephew this. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure he'll be on at some point with us as a guest to, to kind of talk with us. Cause uh, you know, and so you have these things and, and they're, they're, I think the reason that you want to show these stories is because they kind of shaped who you are as a person and some of the things that you value and some of the things that you believe. And I think family movies in their essence are trying to instill some core values and, uh, and, and virtues into uh, the lives of children. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more about the whole being an uncle for the first time and sharing some of these movies with our nephew. Um, A lot of these movies I watched over and over and over and over as a kid, but now I just don't come back to them anymore. I'm not sure why. I think I enjoy more darker tales now in my adulthood, but these a lot of the, my picks or the list I made for my picks are definitely just nostalgia fuel, and I, I, I'm not opposed to watching them again, but not by any means. But uh, you still I, naturally I just go don't, back that way. Yeah, yeah. And actually, there are a few movies that I naturally just like. I'll put this on, and you know, and 
play my switch or you know what but none of the none of these type of movies are those except for maybe one see i i disagree because i feel like some of the movies i picked are movies that they have such great like a wider range of values and you feel so many different emotions when you watch it um that it makes me want to watch it again and again. Not saying every single one on my list that will maybe be on my list. Um, I watch all the time, but definitely there are some that I go back to and love to watch and because I think, of that. And I think that's one of the things with these movie drafts is you got to go, go with your heart and the rewatchability. Rewatchability is to me in picking a draft is, is everything. Yeah. And I think you're, you're absolutely spot on with that. Okay, Ian, so we're going to do this family movie draft, but instead of flipping a coin, since there's three of us, uh, what are we going to do to decide who gets first pick? We're going to play the categories game. Instead of categories, we're going to pick an actor. and Or we, actress. Or actress, a performer, an artist. That uh, We're going to have to go around in a circle or a triangle we have here uh, recording to name movies that they were in. If you say one that's already been said, you're out. And if you say one wrong or you can't come up with one, you're out. And then the, the last person standing gets to go first. Ian and Emily are like way better at this game. So I've I created a <laughs> deck. I've created a deck of actors here. I'm shuffling that up and I'm going to draw one off the top. And it is Nicole Kidman. We actually got an actress here. Nicole Kidman films. Um, ladies first. Moulin Rouge. Cold Mountain. Eyes Wide Shut. I can't think on the spot. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. Right. I don't know. Emily is out. Uh, Australia. Uh, I can only think of big little lies right now. That's not a movie. <laughs> not a movie, so you lose. All right. So Jamie's going to go first, followed by me, and then Emily. That's That's how you treat crazy. your guests here. Well, you were out first. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rules of the game. Come on. No special treatments here. I can't believe I actually won that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot less forgiving than usual. It's hard to think on the spot, especially when we're, especially when we are recording. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so my number one family movie, and uh, this is still this still counts as live action, is the Muppet movie, the original from the seventies. Um, this this film is has got music, nice, it's yeah. got color, it's got, um, I, I believe, a wonderful kind of it's it's fun it's lighthearted. it just it has a lot to offer um that's nothing without any without being too heavy without being um tons of cameos too oh a lot of cameos but of course you know the problem of course is now that kids these days even i as as you know a 34 year old at this point like <laughs> going i don't know who that person is right. because this is a this was made in the 70s for um you know, kids in, in the seventies and, and really adults. And I think it, but I think it's the score, the music that I mean, really keeps it alive, that keeps really it timeless. relevant, that keeps it timeless, despite the fact of, 
the cameos being a little bit dated. But I mean, the Muppets were always about that. Were always about cameos, but they they even with that aspect that dated them uh, or dated their shows, this really held held to. I don't know. It, it, it's kept timeless by the music, and I mean the the iconic characters. Well. I am uh, in the same, almost in the same vein as yours. My number one pick is also Jim Henson. I'm going with Labyrinth. Oh, David I Bowie. I hate you, right Jennifer now. Connelly, and also the music. The music is so good. Okay, but the Babe with the Power. Also, this movie is was actually kind of terrifying for yeah. our little niece. Yeah, like the beginning. maybe there should be an age limit on when you show your kids this because my five-year-old niece could not get past the baby ceiling part. She yeah, said to little, turn it off. It, it, was, it was scary. <laughs> it's, it, it is a little scary with the little I, the goblins running around. I probably watched this like at 11 years old alone on a stormy day. I No, I don't think you watched it alone. I think you watched it with me. I was still scared because you weren't going to protect me. And I'm three years younger than you. But (laughs) this movie is, once you get past that part, her adventure, her, her, you know, the character Sarah is, you know, traveling through this labyrinth to save her baby brother from the Goblin King, played by David Bowie. And it is such a fun adventure. It's a fun, it's a fun romp. And there's so many cool monsters and, all that good stuff. It, it's it's not only got a strong female lead, which uh, you know is one of those things of, of it, and it's an older film, but so it, it's good for for young girls, but also like for young boys. I, I think there's an an element of uh, at least for me. I mean, I fell in love with Jennifer Connelly in this film, and that was absolutely I was of age, you know, to to be like. Okay, this girl, she's seventeen or so, you know, in the yeah, film. Yeah, and you're yeah. Like, we're, we're younger than she is. Oh yeah, and and so we're just kind of like, so it's not creepy. No, but you're like, wow, she's she's pretty, but you know, but it's not. There's no element of like, there's no sexualization of her really. No. You know, um, even with with David Bowie as the Goblin King, kind of creeping on her a little bit. Like that's not, that's not really the point. Right. But in you, you said the Muppet movie, the music makes it timeless, but this music is even better for me. I mean, when you go the babe with the power, everybody knows what you're talking about. That's why I chose it. Number one. And then now we are. Wait, hold on. I might want to say something about your pick. Oh, you did say something about my pick. Well, but not really. All right, go ahead. So y'all are, you know, y'all talked about for boys, you know, ooh, this might be like a first crush, celebrity crush. But I think from a woman or a girl's perspective, yes, you brought up the topic that, you know, you have this strong female character that you don't always see a lot in movies, especially in what year was this? The eighties, uh, yeah. So, but I think the value. I look at values, especially for family movies, as she is powered and driven to save her little brother. Like she's being, she's protective. She feels like it's her responsibility to go and save her baby brother. Family. Her Her family. family. Yeah. Um, But also if we're kind of thinking in another aspect that you might not think of is I just thought of this. So David Bowie, you know, he's not the normal 
macho leading actor you would see at this time period. You know, he he's not afraid to show his feminine side and to wear crazy outfits and to wear makeup. And so I think this really shined a light. Maybe I'm not a, I'm not a boy or a man, but maybe at this time period, it made boys think that maybe it's okay if I want to explore my creativity in that way, because you have this lead character in this hit movie doing that, being whoever he wants to be and not worrying about these stereotypical, what a man should be. Absolutely. Yeah, David Bowie has never been afraid of being David Bowie. I mean, there's, there's some slightly androgynous aspect to it. And I know that there's, there was like a manga that kind of followed up on this where, um, you know, like anime kind of characters, you have that and it's even, it's more pronounced even, but like with, with, you know, the Goblin King's hair here and things like that. Like it's definitely, you know, he's David Bowie is a cultural icon that transcends time for a reason. I mean, he recently died in the last few years and he's, it hit everybody pretty hard that were fans of his. And (laughs) you could see that much like Michael Jackson, that his fans weren't just, these children of the eighties or seventies and eighties that it's time. He's timeless. Just like this movie is for me. Yeah. Um, so with this film, since it, since it seems to kind of resonate with us, like, are there any scenes that really stand out to you as being particularly memorable? I mean, dance, magic, dance, the, the music number is, I mean, I think it might be my favorite part of the scene, but the, uh, the scene where we're introdu- introduced to the character of Hoggle is also pretty pretty memorable for me. You kind of he's very reluctant to help her, mm-hmm. and then we see at the end he's may or may not be in love with her. So, other than the the, the stealing of the baby scene with all the goblins being particularly frightening and standing out, yeah, is uh, but the the one that really uh, kind of sticks out for me is. And I don't know what they're called, but they're they're these like the little hag ladies with the they they carry the world on their back. Oh yeah, and like uh, our our hero goes heroine goes into like it looks like her room. I can't even remember her name right now. A uh, Jennifer Connelly's character, Sarah. 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 Friend. Friend. I should know that. It's my wife's name. <laughs> um, I, I like I. I imitate Ludo's voice all the time. Uh, anyway, the, um, but she goes into her room and like the, the little hag lady start with all like her world on her back, starts putting things on her and like they, they're sticking and it's yes, growing yes, and growing. Yes, it's yes. like, you get this impression that if she like del- allows herself to be deluded, you know, she allows herself to, to fall to, into this trap then she's going to become just like them entrapped in this labyrinth and i i just love that about this movie and it and i'm a little i'm a little miffed you you took it as your number one so emily you are up for your number one pick okay so my number one is not just i guess number one in this draft but number one in general for me and that's the greatest showman nice so this came out in 2017. Um, so I don't remember what my favorite movie was before then. Probably one of the Harry Potters. But uh, this is now my favorite movie. I 
went to the theaters and saw it probably five times and now own it. So yeah, I, I think this was in the the movie pass time uh, where we had the movie pass. It was yeah, yeah, and you went an infinite amount of yeah. times. You took everyone you knew to go see this movie and yeah. to share your love, and that just uh, goes to show how much you love this movie. Yeah. So I mean, just if you're wanting family movie recommendations out there, um, it is PG rated PG. It's got a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, so yeah, it's got so many great actors in there. You have uh, Hugh Jackman, Zendaya, Zac Efron. Uh, but yeah, you, it's got a great soundtrack, uh, but there's nothing like watching the movie. The It's so beautifully choreographed that there's so many great dance numbers and animals and costumes. It's just a joy to watch. I think every time I watch the movie, I just go through this range of emotions of joy and sadness where I cry or just amazement of what people are able to do. But a little bit, I, I think my favorite thing is, you know, the, the story, what the real story behind it is. Cause I feel like people see, oh, it's a circus. It's the creation of a circus. And yeah, it looks cool. But I, I just, I think some people miss out on the story cause they get caught up in the, it's not a hundred percent historically accurate, but I think the, <laughs> the value that it teaches is a root what the whole point of a family film should be so it's a it's about pt barnum he grows up poor and he meets this high class girl and he wants to be with her and his whole life is basically trying to prove to her family that he can take care of her that he can amount to something so he goes and starts eventually the circus and becomes super successful, but it's never enough. He just, he always wants more. He feels like there's always something more he needs to do. It's not enough. He isn't the man he's supposed to be yet. And if eventually this, his success begins to take him away from his family. And he realizes that true happiness is only spent with those you love. So I love this message that, uh, I love that message. You know, in the end he goes back, um, and realizes that, but also there's another message that I think is so important in this time. And that is, um, the message is that I think it teaches people and reminds us to treat those different from us with kindness and respect because it's about this group of freaks that's what they call them people who are outcasts of society and you know people are just are mean to them and i think pt barnum accepts them and gives them a stage to show who they are and that it can be beautiful and in that same way it also creates a family and shows you that um your a family isn't just one that you're born into it can be created yeah. So all kind of values going on here. Um, I know I'm talking way longer than them, but I do have a few quotes to throw at you. Um, I want to cut in. I think this film is incredibly relevant to our society and where we are today with the civil unrest is that, you know, there are different people. And so 
you should love everyone, you know, like. I think that's one reason why the film resonates as it does is that, you know, in our, in our culture, it's, it's, we, we do love the underdog uh, in part. And it's also, there's a lot, we, we believe in the inherent value of the individual on the, on the grounds of their individual worth. And I think that's one thing that the, uh, that the greatest showman really highlights is that, um, you know, you need to see these people as individuals and see their worth and what they have to, to offer. And it really tries to, to point that out in each of, of the kind of the subplots that, that are going on. All right, Emily, hit, hit me with some quotes. Okay, so um, one of the quotes I thought that I like from the film is uh, it's coming from a conversation with a critic, a, a newspaper critic, is that right? Yeah. And um, he's basically criticizing P.T. Barnum for being for being a liar and showing, like, showing fake things uh, because he was about kind of expanding on the truth and you know it, the biggest man in the Embe- world embellishment yeah. yeah like oh the biggest man in the world come see a 600 pound man in reality he might have been 350 400 pounds so things like that but so he was criticizing pt barnum for being fake and this is what P- the the quote in the movie his pt barnum's response was do these smiles seem fake it doesn't matter where they come from the joy is real so i think that a big value from this movie is just bringing joy to people's life. And I think that's what this film does. Um, Another quote is, which goes back to what Ian was saying about it being so relevant in this world right now and all the injustices uh, people are facing right now. The quote is the world is changing and I refuse to be part of yours. And that's Zac Efron's character. Philip says that to his parents who are not, approving of his relationship with a black woman zendaya's character and so i think that's so important that you know this was took place in the 1890 1890s am i am i somewhere around there yeah so this was before um you know dealing with the height of jim crow laws yes yeah so you know prohibitions uh, on things like interracial marriage and things like that exactly so i think it's such a strong quote um you know it's hard to stand up to your parents and to people who love you and who are older than you but i think it's so important in this day and age to stand up for what is right um and stand up for what you love yeah exactly and that's what he's doing with zendaya's character yeah yeah all right well Jamie, what's your, your number? Uh, number two. We're, number. we're making our second round. Who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, in in the same vein of the underdog story. I am going with the underdog story. No, you didn't. I did. I am hitting on the glory and the honor in trying, even if you lose. Cool runnings. Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. Yes. Uh, I love this movie. This is one of the movies that uh, my childhood best friend and I, Jonathan, would watch 
over and over, you know, spend the night at each other's house, you know, we're just like, okay, what do you want to watch? Cool Runnings. <laughs> it was it was this one and and another film which I might still uh, might still draft if if it's not stolen. Um, and it it's just it it speaks to a lot of things that that are still again relevant to today, um, but in not such a way that it it's it's never hand, heavy handed. So of course you know the, the film it discusses the. <laughs> historical but fictionalized uh, version of the uh, Jamaican bobsled team uh, in the Olympics. And I think that it actually took place in the, the early 80s. Did you say fictionalized? Fictionalized. Ah, yes. Not historically accurate, much and, like Emily's round one pick. Yes. And that's, and, and you know, as even as a history buff, it's it's a little bit different um, because I'm, I'm less attached to the history uh, for me. But um, it's it's an excellent story in in a lot of the, the things it highlights it highlights um, you know it highlights racism uh, yeah in and even though elitism it, it's certainly elitism in in the idea of well it's like you Jamaicans you don't belong here and you know this isn't your sport you don't even get snow in your country like ever um, much less you know enough to <laughs> warrant a bobsled team Um also, I'm I'm a bit of a John Candy fanboy, and having him as the coach, Fair enough. Uh, like it, it, it's wonderful. And and I mean, I'm sure I could could pick you know half a dozen John Candy films that might deserve to go on this list. I won't, um, but I think this is the one that I'm I'm going to to pick and stick to um, because it's it's. One, it's so well crafted, but it's got so much staying power, um, and it's just—it's a feel-good movie. But it does—it's not a feel-good movie in the way that it gives you everything you want for the characters. It—it it gives you enough to love the characters and love what they do, and and it can. But it also brings up some important uh, things that, say, as a family, you might want to discuss with your children and need to address things like racism and elitism and um, trying, even though you are pretty sure you're going to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have any, uh, a scene that sticks out as one of your favorites? I mean, there's, there's, I mean, the, the end scene, you know, the, the climax of the film and they, they crash the, the bobsled and then they, you know, it's it's Senka, are you dead? Man, it's kind of the running joke. And he's like, Yeah, I'm dead. And he's like, <laughs> No, I'm not dead. You know, it's like I'm not. And they get out of the the thing, the the bobsled, and like it, it's a brutal crash, and they carry it to the end. I mean, that's and and really like that's not normally like my favorite scene in a movie. It's like because it's so stereotypical, but to me, they it's just so well done because it's we lost. We know we lost but we are going to persevere and we're going to finish this thing to the end. And it's one of those things of, of, as a, as a dad that, you know, I want to show my, my son and my daughter and be like, look, yeah, you're going to fail and it's okay to fail, mm -hmm. but you can't give up and you can't despair. You're going to hold your head high and fail with some honor. And you're going to, because you did, you came further than you might have come otherwise. 
well, I don't know how to follow those two picks and how, <laughs> like, how y'all sold me on those on those movies. I'm I'm ready. I'm don't know how to follow that. Y'all are uh, really probably better at this than I am. So number two, I think I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the adventure. It's the adventure. It's the Princess Bride. <laughs> I think uh, this is so quotable. I mean, you, I can't look at peanuts. Unfathomable. Yeah. Wait, what is it? Inconceivable. <laughs> I mean, it's a quote in in our intro for this thing. And oh man, and uh, you keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and or anybody want a peanut? I can't look at peanuts without saying that. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, and it, it does, and it's told from a storybook. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's told like the grandpa's telling his kid a story who is a young Sean Astin, maybe? Huh? No, it's, no, uh, it's the... Fred Savage. Fred yeah. Savage, yes. All right, yes, Fred Savage. I'm thinking of the other the other movie I want. But... Uh-huh. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Don't take it, please. All right, but but we get to the romance part, and the kid's like, Ew. Ew, and but it also at the end he's like he's so into it. By the end of the the story that he wants to know more about this love story, um, but I think it's just a fun. While y'all you're, you have lessons and stuff in your films, but this one is like the fun, exciting adventure. I, however, I want to interject here. It is not. Without without virtues, and... virtues. No, absolutely. But I'm not gonna. Kids don't it's... automatically go to that. When yeah. I saw this as a kid, this was the fun adventure film, and well, it wasn't until I watched it as an adult that I got some of its virtues. Okay, so here here's one other thing that I think about films and stories in general. They tell a truth where nonfiction can't, and. Sometimes a part of the reason that they do so is they kind of like it's like how our mom used to blend vegetables into lasagna and spaghetti sauce and things like that. And we didn't always know that they were there. Yeah, it's it's teaching you lessons that's good for you, even though and you pick up on them as a kid, but you don't know that you've picked up on them. Yeah. You, you, you don't realize and, and you're not able to ex- explicate the themes of whatever without really a little bit of adult training and introspection and, and analytical, you know, guidance. But as a kid, I mean, those things, those virtues and those things are still, they, they, they come across. Yeah. I think it's kind of timeless too. Um, It's set in medieval times. Uh, Right. And I mean, there's like pirates and fairy tale medieval times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all fictional, but uh, yeah, I taught world history to middle schoolers and we had to teach medieval Europe. And I was thinking, you know, what is something fun I can do? You know, so I would, you know, little by little at lunch each day, it was the flood year. We had a big flood in Louisiana. So we were eating in classrooms cause the cafeteria got flooded. So little by little, I showed them this movie at lunchtime. And, you know, this was you know, these kids are 11 years old, so they weren't, they obviously weren't born yet. They don't know anything about this movie and they just loved it. They yeah. could not get enough of it. So I think it goes to show that 
even though it is an older movie that kids these days still think it's hilarious and really enjoy it. Yeah, it is hilarious and it's exciting and it's, it is the perfect movie for the family. I agree. Emily, it's your second round pick. Okay, so let me throw it back a lot of years before Princess Bride to one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, TV movies were not in color yet. And this could also be involved in another draft that we could do later on in a few months. But my number two pick for a family movie is It's a Wonderful Life. What a movie. Yeah, so this is, I have to watch this movie on Christmas Eve every year. So yes, I feel like you can lump it into Christmas movies. um, But I just think it's a great, wholesome uh, movie to share with your family. Uh, It was, it came out in 1946. You had Jimmy Stewart starring as George Bailey. It is rated PG and it's got 8.6 on IMDb. So I feel like, you know, this movie overall, it's about a man who puts his dreams on hold again and again um, for the betterment of his community. George Bailey, you know, he when he graduates high school, he has all these dreams. He wants to travel the world. He wants to go to college. But he continuously puts that on hold to help with his family business. So I feel like, you know, we see this theme throughout the movie, or especially where when it comes to George Bailey, is that you really are only as good as your ability to connect with those around you. We see him continuously going above and beyond for the people in his life, even when that's not where he wants to be. He wants to have adventure. Um, so George gets into, he makes a mis- there's a mistake made at work and he just really doesn't know what to do. He feels like he can't see a way out and He contemplates suicide and an angel comes and basically shows him this alternate reality of what life would be like if he had never been born. And so from that, George sees that he decides he wants to live and he goes back home and he embraces his family. And I think that, I think the overall value of this movie that I just, that makes me love this movie so much is, you know, George, his whole life has been all about helping others. And in this very low point in his life, when he didn't see any way out, others helped him. And so, yes, it's a wonderful life, sure. But you have to keep reminding yourself of the fact that you have to keep reminding yourself that because sometimes it can be anything but perfect. So you have to surround yourself with people who will help you out of that hole when you find yourself there. Absolutely. And I think this is the perfect family movie. I mean, it's because it's so timeless. I mean, you said 1949, it came out 46, 46, even further back, but like that's right after world war two when this came out and your Jamie, you're, we watched it for Christmas Eve. And I think yep. your seven year old son was intrigued by it. 
Mm-hmm. I think you made him go to bed halfway through, or maybe he watched it. I don't remember. Well, but we had he to was, wrap Christmas presents, right? So <laughs> he was, he was, he was enamored with it. I don't know if he's just enamored with watching anything on television, but it, it seems like in in looking at a movie that came out in 1946, that a seven year old kid would be bored. But yeah. this movie, it has a way. It's so endearing. Like you like, you like. George, you like? I mean, well, I'd not seen this movie all the way through until this past Christmas Eve. Yeah, we, when, we when made y'all, you watch it. <laughs> well, and I was just like, okay, you know, ho hum, whatever. I, you know, I knew it was iconic, and and it's like everybody kind of looks at me like, what do you mean you haven't seen It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life? And I think I think I really offended Emily. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but I, that's all that brings it back to the reason for our draft is that I feel like the value the values shown in this movie are so important that it takes me back to why watching movies is important to me. I want to share that with my family and the people I love. Right. And it was perfect for the, I mean, other than it being a Christmas movie, you know, it's perfect in the idea of what, what do we highlight at Christmas time and value and things like that. And one of the, the primary things we, we do highlight at that time is, is family and our love for each other. And, you know, I think that was very important and, and, uh, definitely carried through with that, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like it, I I had to begrudgingly watch it. I was I was completely uh, you know taken in by it, yeah. um, and its charm. And I mean, it's 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 not a heavy movie. It's perfect for you know Christmas Eve watching when you're in a good mood and you want to stay in a good mood. And but it it's not so light as to be it's not frivolous either you know right and i think you know bringing up family movie you know i said there's a point where he is suicidal i don't feel like it's a inappropriate thing to show your children though because it's a it's something people face and it shouldn't be taboo um and it's not like obviously no gore or anything like that but i just want to leave you off with a couple of quotes and Mm -hmm. then we'll move on to the next round Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many others. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Nice. Remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends. Hmm. And then you see, George, you've really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to just throw it away? Nice. And I think... and and It's a good lesson for your children. (laughs) I mean, quite frankly, it's a good lesson for us adults. You know, one thing that um, you know, I, I, am kind of open about the fact that I, I suffer period from periodic bouts of depression and, you know, I, I'm not to the point where, where I feel suicidal or anything, but, um, and I think it's kind of important that, um, men actually address that issue in their own lives and, and in the, cause they do affect the people around them. And I know that, that many people suffer it much more deeply than I do. And, uh, you know, they, they don't always seek help. They think it's either unmanly or whatever, and uh, that it's a sign of weakness. And, you know, the thing is, is, yeah, maybe it is a sign of weakness not to address it. But the thing is, is admitting that you have a weakness and you need help. And I think that's that's a good thing for this this film to cover and and i think it's one of the reasons why it's timeless in 
it it's also very interesting that it's covered so far back it seems to us you know in 1946 yeah. um and that it, it really does address that in in a way that you know it, it, it's like okay well you have some sort of divine intervention here but you know you can actually get uh human intervention in in the meantime so all right good emily, choice emily here i one ending question about this movie in color or black and white? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, if you've never seen it, you got to go with the original black and white. But, you know, like I said, I watch it every year at Christmas Eve. So I switch it up every year. And so, yeah, you got to do both. But start with the original black and white. Sweet. All right, Jamie, what is your number three? We're on number three. This is number the beginning three. of the third round. And so I've actually, I follow with your line of reasoning, at least with the Christmas genre. And I wonder um, where he's going. Well, you won't be alone like this kid. Oh, <laughs> Home Alone. Now, one of the reasons that I, I love this film, um, other than the fact that it has an aspect of just being fun, to me, it changes as I've gotten older and had to become, you know, responsible for children. Um, so as a kid, you know, I first watch it and you go, okay, well, I identify with Kevin, the kid who gets left home alone. And he, he, he makes, you know, this giant ice cream sundae and he does all this clever stuff that I wish I was actually smart enough to do. Um, that, you know, it, it hurts the suspension of disbelief. Who cares? We're talking about family movies here, not super serious movies. But as you grow older and in one way or another become responsible for other kids, you go, I don't identify with Kevin anymore. I identify with the idiot parents who left <laughs> him, who are not really idiots. And, and you know, it, it kind of sucks that the movie would totally be destroyed if there were cell phones. Um, as, but the fact is, is a lot of movies would, the plots would be destroyed if there were cell phones, which absolutely this, this is a period film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to remain in the period it's in or, or it doesn't hold up. When Kevin's at the age where it's like, maybe, maybe not. He has a cell phone. Yeah. There's, I, and there's, there are plot holes and things of, of, you know, there's just issues with it. But the thing is, is. Those matter less with a family film because it's not the point. Um, it it does deal with some of the same things as it, It's a Wonderful Life does. And and actually, It's a Wonderful Life makes a cameo in the film. They're watching it in French. Um, and they, you know, the idea is, is, well, not what if you didn't exist, but what if your whole family didn't exist. And it, so it kind of actually turns It's a Wonderful Life on its head and does it the other way of, of the character being uh, selfish in, in the opposite way of I, I am the only one who matters and uh, my family doesn't. And it, you know, and of course it makes it a child and not a grown man, but it really kind of, of brings home the idea of, of I would, uh, you know, Christmas and is you know a time where we do value our families, um, and and you know it, it does matter if they're gone. Even your annoying, horrible, bully older siblings who <laughs> who you really really don't like, um, 
but you realize you end up loving. Yeah. And so on that, in that way, I think that a good uh, viewing for a, a nice a Christmas Eve party might be a, a movie, a, a double feature of It's a Wonderful Life and Home Alone. Okay. So. <laughs> I've never thought about Home Alone that in depth. To me, it's always just been a kid versus the home invaders kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just of these genius plots to stop them. Booby from traps. Yeah. Speaking of booby traps, oh. oh, here's my third pick: The Goonies. Did you say booty traps? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. This movie. It, okay, my number one, two, and three so far have been these adventures. I guess that speaks to my adventurous spirit maybe a little bit, but it, while y'all are taking these deep philosophical takes, well, Home Alone, I wouldn't call deep really? philosophical, <laughs> but, but The Goonies is the coming-of-age adventure of these four kids, plus their older brother and these girls that tag along the bully older brother man played by josh brolin uh you have a young you have a young sean sean astin and dude this movie is so good so also so quotable um true um they you find these people who are you know well they're bad guys and they're looking for a pirate treasure and these they want to save their he wants to save his father's you know company or whatever but and this is these kids kind of have to figure this thing out on their own it's i think this has kind of spawned its own genre of like the kids figuring everything out like stranger things the kids are the heroes the parents are helpless but these kids and goonies are trying to find um find this treasure to you know save the sean astin's family from having to move away and which is really the ultimate the ultimate horror of, when you're a, kid. of a child's <laughs> yeah. life is, yeah, your, is yeah. your friend moving away but I, mean, it's, it's, I lived it i lived it i remember all my friends moving off of yeah. our street yeah and that, that i mean i identify with that aspect of it you know but but it's not only that but it's the family his family is in sort of financial troubles mm -hmm. and i mean yes there are plot holes in this like anything else but it's this is the one of my favorites uh family family film wise and i think much like the princess bride it's less it's less fantastical obvious fairy tale like whatever <laughs> fantastical fantastical whatever but uh Less fantastic, I guess, than Princess Bride. Then Princess Bride is like a fairy tale. But, <laughs> sure. But, um, but the Goonies is pretty fantastical either way. Sure, 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 sure. So it's much, I think it's kind of akin to uh, both of y'all's picks. Who, like, what would you, what would, what is life going to be like without our friend? Mm. You know, kind of thing. Nice tie in. Yeah. Emily? Any, uh, any other thoughts, you guys? Nope. I just saw it. Uh, what this past year you oh you're so young <laughs> yes i feel like i'm coming from a different generation than y'all to bit. share but we we are also we are millennials by the we're all millennials by the standard but we 
our older, older siblings, siblings are Gen X. So yeah. it's like we've inherited a lot of Whereas things. I'm the old I'm one of the oldest of my right. siblings. Right. So. so it's like we are sort of uh the word I'm looking for. Older. We're grandfathered into the Grandfather, grandfather millennials. <laughs> yeah. We're uh we're yeah, we honorary Gen Xers because of our siblings. I mean we we played with He-Man figures for way longer than we were supposed to. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Emily. All right, my number three pick. Yes. So mine my number three pick is got to be Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I am a huge Harry Potter uh, fan. Grew up, my whole family is, going to all the premieres, reading the books. Um, and this has always been my favorite. And I think this has, I think it has a good place in our family draft. Um, so I'll tell you why. First off, it, the year 2004, I'm the only one saying all this, but I felt like a family draft uh, family movies, parents might want to know this kind of stuff. It is PG and it's got a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So the reason why this has always been my favorite of the Harry Potter films is because of the introduction of Sirius Black, who Harry finds out is his godfather, but he's also a criminal on the run. So in the end, Harry it ends up being all a misunderstanding and Sirius really is a good guy. He was just framed. Um, and, but this is so important to me. It's all about the end of the movie where, you know, his whole life, Harry's parents were killed when he was a baby and he's was put with his aunt and uncle who are horrible to him. Uh, so his whole life, he's longed for a family that actually treats him like a family. He wants that so bad more than anything. And so this reunion between Harry and his godfather is just so heartwarming for me um, as an invested fan. So ultimately, that is the main reason why this is my favorite Harry Potter movie, but also a great family film. I think I think it's interesting you picked this particular Harry Potter film because I wasn't sure uh, a Harry Potter film had to be on the list. <laughs> right. Um, and... I, I would have taken the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, um, but this uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is the the last film before the Harry Potter films really start taking a dark turn, mm. um, and you know with, with the the full on return of Voldemort, um, and this is really the only one where Voldemort isn't present at all. I don't believe. Yeah, you have a lot of the you have the Dementors, but they're Warm they're tail. all yeah they're right. they're there have, looking for black right, and so like it's kind of interesting, but it it does it it you have that whole um, finding your family uh, theme in there, and I think I think with with Sorcerer's Stone and the reason why I, I considered that on on the list and kind of still am, although I don't know if I want to go too heavy Harry Potter heavy. Is you know, you know, Sorcerer's Stone. He he's fine. He's making family of choice. Mm -hmm. um, but in, I think Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, you know, with learning he has a godfather. That's not his choice. That was his parents' choice. So it's not really family of choice. He's finding that he does have surviving family that he didn't really know about mm -hmm. that isn't 
horrible to him uh, like that. So I think that's that's really good. And I think for, you know, considering a family movie draft, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we start seeing Harry finally, I feel like starting to look forward to the future and he he is given this much needed hope especially to learn later on to the harry potter series like everything that is thrown at harry potter how is he prevailing and it's i feel like he is this theme of hope throughout and so i feel like this is kind of the beginning of that hope in harry that maybe he can have what he's always wanted with serious black um, but on another another side, I think it's also a great coming of age movie um, because you see the main characters start transitioning into adulthood. They're feeling new emotions like Harry's feeling this anger and this need to avenge his parents, which most kids don't feel that yet. So the, I, the fact that he's starting to feel this shows he's growing up. Uh, you see Hermione dealing with her ambition and feeling like she can't, like she'll never be good enough. Like I, I, she's setting this high bar for herself. She's in all these classes. She can't, there's not enough time in the day to go to all these classes, which brings in a very fantasy feel feature of time travel, which is done perfectly. I love the time travel feature. So all of that makes a great movie for me. Yeah. The, t the time travel thing can, can be time Turner. Yeah. Well, the time Turner, but it's time travel, right? You know, it, it can be a little bit, tricky in you know i think in any time travel movie you know where that plays a role and you know i always kind of wondered how it doesn't make a make a reappearance in in any of the harry potter films that's true <laughs> and then but of course i think it comes back in in uh the cursed child with the with the yes the, it does uh, which screen, is i read in 24 play, hours the, the play. <laughs> right and and so it's like a, it's a little different so um but it's certainly something we, we've not seen in the films at, up to that point yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, so I'm just going to finish it with a few of my favorite quotes from the movie, like uh, I have been doing, if that's okay. You do you. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite quotes from the entire Harry Potter series. Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times <laughs> if one only remembers to turn on the light. And that was Albus Dumbledore. Um, this is Sirius Black. He tells this to Harry finally at the end. He says, I want you to listen to me carefully, Harry. You're not a bad person. You're a very good person who bad things have happened to. We've all got both light and dark inside of us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. I, so. I want to pick on that one, you know, since we talked about the ideas of uh, depression and things like that, since we, we, since we hit on uh, it's a wonderful life, you know, and, and that's, that quote there is it really does have a lot to do with it. And we do have a lot of good and bad inside of each of us, you know, and that's something that, you know, it, it, people don't want to admit, they want to think that they're all good and, and they're super noble. But the thing is, is no, it's okay to have bad thoughts. It's a, it's natural mm -hmm. to have bad thoughts. Maybe not, you know, and, and, but, but the thing is, is like, it is, it's what you act on. And, you know, the actions speak louder than words, uh, you know, idea. And so I, I think that that is, it is a really powerful quote. And it's something that's really good to, um, in a family movie that you're expecting children to watch with their parents to bring up. And 
one of the, I guess one of the things I love about family movies is that with, with the intent of, of families watching it together, there can be discussions, not just between parents and children, but between spouses, between uh, older siblings and younger siblings, between aunts and uh, uncles and, and their ne- nieces and nephews and, you know, and in, in babysitters and, and the kids they're watching. Like, that's all things that, like, these conversations can come up. And even as, as teachers, because uh, you and I, Emily, are both uh, school teachers, like, it, there have been times where, you know, movies are played in classrooms, not for, you know, sometimes for, for literary value. And sometimes because we don't have our students and we're actually, you know, sitting for others, <laughs> for, for students that aren't ours. Um, you know, and I know, you know, family movies are the go-to because you don't need controversy there, but there are things redeemable to learn from them. Yeah, so, so I think that one's really good. I have one more last quote and I'll leave it. Um, so again, it's Sirius Black. He says, but to Harry, but know this, the ones that love us never really leave us and you can always find them here. And he points to Harry's heart. And I think that's an ongoing uh, theme throughout the Harry Potter series is, you know, Harry Potter learning to deal with the loss of his loved ones. So and I think that's a great topic you can use to bring up with your children. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. All right, Jamie. All right. Hitting my round four. I'm going to go lighter, just lighter, less heavy and more fun. And I'm going back to, to Disney heavyweights. <laughs> uh, uh, ben Stiller plays the villain in this. Uh, this was before Zoolander and he gained like really prominent fame. Uh, what was it? Was it something Perkis? Yeah, I there's Andy Perkis or something with yeah. the, the Perkis system. It, it is, you know, the, the premise of the film is, you know, these this kid goes to fat camp and really it's not it's not really a fat camp. And all the all the kids there, are, you know, all the boys, because it's a boys camp, you know, and all they they cheat on their diets and everything like that. And nobody really cares because really it's camp and it's all about fun. But they learn the camp's been sold. And it's been sold to this fitness freak who is like, this is played by Ben Stiller. And he's like, he hasn't fired all the counselors, but he's brought in all his people. It's, it's just really a fun movie. Um, It's a camp movie. It's kind of a, it's a coming of age story in some ways. It's like, you know, but it's not all about, it's not just about the children overthrowing the adults. It is another underdog type of story. Um, it, it, it kind of is a, it's a it's like kind of a subtle thing. Um, and, and it's not like deep filmmaking it's, but it's fun for the family to watch together. It's not something that, you know, you kind of have to be too, too super introspective about, but you, you could, you could look at some of it. It's very, it's, it's kind of tropey. It's, you know, there's some cliches about it, but it's just, it's just fun. And this was, and this along with Cool Runnings was like, they were maybe this more than Cool Runnings. These were the films we watched, like hanging out and spending the night at each other's houses when you know we were like eight years old, ten years old, you know, somewhere around there. It's like we watched these films over and over and over because they were fun. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, it's worth seeing if you haven't seen it. I know it's not one that like 
It's not super popular. It's not necessarily iconic, but um, it's definitely one to go to go watch. I think this movie is about acceptance too. It's like you mm-hmm. know you much like the greatest showman is that people are different colors and shapes and it's sizes, yeah, yeah, sizes, yeah. shapes and sizes. Shape I mean, it's about accepting people for who they are and not trying to force them brutally as the Ben Stiller's character does to, to change them, you know? Right. Right. And, you know, like I said, it's got, it's got some, some wholesome virtues, but it's not, it's not like super preachy about any of it, but again, it's not just the kids versus the adults. And so some of the adults who are part of the old regime mm-hmm. have to take a part uh, or take a part in, you know, in their fight against this <laughs> really what amounts to be kind of a psycho. So, uh, yeah. So my fourth round pick is heavyweights. Ah, <sighs> I'm in I'm in a weird mode right now as far as my fourth round pick goes. Uh, I've picked three adventure films and I almost don't want to stop now. I think I'm going to go with Steven Spielberg's Hook. Yes. Uh, Hook for me, I know people don't really like it, but it's another fun adventure. Who doesn't film. like this movie? Critics. Well, I don't care so what good. they say. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, Robin Williams is the best playing this sort of adult version of Peter Pan who doesn't believe in Never Neverland anymore, and that's the kind of the whole crux of the film is that that this guy has lost his his sense of being a child, and I think that's so important to being a man in an adult is that you have to have this sense of adventure and the sense of being a child. Uh, and I mean, there's so many lovable characters throughout the whole film. I mean, Rufio! Dude, 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 dude. You, you can't go in and talk about Rufio before you talk about Dustin Hoffman as Hook. I mean, the he's titular, great. The titular character. Uh, oh, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, I'm talking about, you don't love Captain Hook. You love to hate Captain Hook. I love Captain Hook. Oh, oh God. Sure. He's wonderful. Sure. But, I mean, this movie is about gaining your uh, sense of adventure again and realizing, you know, for in Peter Pan or Peter Banning's uh, sort of uh, point of view is realizing that this, this Never Never Land is real. You know, and mm-hmm. and we get wonderful Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell, which is she's kind of pokes and prods him along his journey. Maggie Smith is Wendy, isn't she? I don't remember. Anyway, so that's my fourth well, round pick. I felt like there is some good value in it too, because oh, yeah. you have Robin Williams' character who's Peter. And I feel like it's about him proving to his children that he loves them and is going to fight for them. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the underlying value of it. And it, I think I just love it so much. Agreed. Good pick, huh? <laughs> Out of left yeah, field. And it, and, and it is Maggie Smith as, as Wendy. All right. So, Emily. All right. My number four goes... Uh, had a lot of... Um, it's close to home for me, mainly because I was compared to her a lot. 
when I was little, and that is Matilda. Yes. <laughs> so Matilda, uh, 1996 PG, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. I had the nice. same I had the same haircuts when I was her age. So I got a lot and I was about the same age as her. So when it came out, she was a little older than me. Um, but that I had a lot of comparisons. I looked like her. But I mean, she is just this badass little girl with a bow. I mean, I think it's kind of one of the beginnings of seeing a strong female lead character i mean even though she's a six seven year old girl i mean she is the lead character and she is super bright she is super independent and yeah i mean she, you get you have female badasses like ripley and uh sarah connor but you don't you never really see the little girl lead it's always like macaulay culkin and home alone or you know uh, other kids like the Goonies, it's all guys, you know, all little boys. So Matilda's really kind of flipped in our generation, at least, kind of flipped the flipped the script and let the the, the little girl. Lead. I think I think there's no because Matilda's based on on a, a story, uh, you know, a, a book, and I think there's not so much a shortage of of female girl heroes in in these you know. I wouldn't even say it's a young adult novel, children's, you know, book. Um, like I, I'm thinking, of, you know, Sharon Creech's, you know, chasing Redbird and stuff, but they don't make as many movies about those. I don't, don't and it, it, it's like, you know, we had that with, with Labyrinth, you know, you have the strong female lead in, in Sarah, That's but she's true. a little bit older. She's not a child. Um, but I, I was thinking, I was like, are there a lot of, are there a lot of uh, female led, uh, stories for for the you know younger children you know um, and I was having trouble thinking of them in, in comparison and I don't know if that's just because of of what I watched and you know the time period in which I was watching children's movies primarily versus um, what what they're you know what we're seeing today mm -hmm. so yeah Matilda's a great, yeah. good choice so you know I like that, you know, you see this young girl who's super smart. Um, she uses books as this form of escapism because her family's horrible to her. They basically either treat her like a slave, a servant, or like she doesn't exist. Um, so she escapes the books. She takes the bus to the library. I mean, it's, she's very smart, but she also has these telekinesis powers, which makes it a really fun and hilarious movie. Um, but I also love it even more now as a teacher because she you she has this amazing teacher when she sent to school Miss Honey and it just this movie reminds me of the difference that a teacher can make in a student's life. Um, yeah, so that is my pick. Yeah, that's my number four. Sweet, good picks. Okay, so. I'm having trouble with with a, a fifth a fifth pick here <sighs> because there's there's a lot. Of, I mean, as a kid, you have a lot of nostalgic attachment to a lot of different movies, mm -hmm. um, and so you know one of the things we banned to help us along on this, I think, in part was banning animated films. Yeah, so I'm going to cheat. Oh, We've already cheated with the Muppet movie and no, because that's all Labyrinth. that's all filmed live. That's all filmed live. Okay, I'm gonna cheat 
because I'm going to do a film that is both animated and live action. The Looney Tunes movie? No. With Brendan Fraser? Oh, snap, dude. We didn't even think about Space Jam. I thought about but Space Jam. <laughs> I am not... Who says it's not my final pick? I don't know, but <laughs> I... I might have to. Mm. Are you pivoting off uh, of your <laughs> off of your pick? No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with it because I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the predecessor in some ways to Space Jam, and unlike Space Jam, it involves the cartoon characters of multiple franchises, and it's more fun for adults to watch along with their kids. And quite frankly, though, I almost kind of go, there's a bit in this movie that is uh, not pro. not not as kid-friendly and family-friendly. So, but... As Space Jam would be. As Space Jam would be. <laughs> I mean, but it is rated PG, so, it, I mean, you're not... No, it... it, it you know, there's the whole there's the whole, like, taking photos of them playing patty cake, and they actually show you that it's actually patty cake <laughs> that they're playing um but the thing is is adults get it it's like the there's a lot in the film that's predicated on adult jokes and of course there's smoking and drinking in it because i mean it was it was a 1988 film like that was that was okay and it in its period it takes place like in the 30s um in in hollywood but it's it kind of takes the whole idea of animated films are like they're they're real actor the animated yeah. characters are real actors and so you get di the Disney franchise in there you get the um uh the, the Looney, Looney Tunes in there you get uh the Han you don't see, yeah yeah but you don't see the Hanna Barbera in there as much but you see some other ones some some more independent ones or or older things in there and it's fun and I think I like it as kind of a dark horse in the idea that you know it it's fun for kids to watch because they think they're watching a cartoon movie and it's silly and there's fun stuff, but the adults can feel like they're watching a slightly more serious movie with darker undertones. It's, it's very, it's like a dark animated yeah, film. It's, it's like a dark family film. Good for all ages. <laughs> or it can be. It I mean, can be. Enjoyable. I mean, you don't draft, I don't think you're drafting a family-friendly movie that's not good for all ages. I think all these movies Yeah, are. that's true. That's and true. even the, the ones that are the, the title or the titular characters are like the Goonies is like, it's going to remind these adults of their childhood. And then right. you get like Hook of the adults. Right. Well, that getting well, reminded of their childhood. I think, I think Hook is like the whole point of that. And I think yeah. uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit though? I mean, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a nostalgia pick for me because I remember watching the film. It came out when I was two years old, about uh, two or three. And so, you know, I, I look back on it pretty fondly, but I, it's been one movie that I've been able to watch. And as I've gotten older, I pick up more and more of the things I'm going, I can't believe my parents let me watch this. And then as a kid, but looking back, I'm like, I didn't understand this. It was okay. Yeah. And because I was, you know, rightly naive and oblivious to a lot of the things and undertones that were that were coming at play in that film. Sweet. All right. So that's that rounds out my five. My five, my fifth and final pick was not on my original list, guys, along with Hook was not on my original list of movies that I wanted to draft here. But this movie 
James, we watched it so many times, so many times, and it is, sing it with me now, the never-ending story. Oh <laughs> I can't Dude, believe that, that I didn't even think of that. This movie, upon watching it again. With me. With Emily, because she had never seen it. Again, different, mm -hmm. different generation almost. Mm -hmm. But this movie almost doesn't hold up. I mean, yeah. it's on that verge. It's on the verge, but it's still. Wait, say why we watched it in the first place. Oh, wait, well, the end of the uh, Stranger Things season three. Yeah, oh, she, yeah. on Stranger she, Things, they, 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 they are singing it. the song and she to was each like, other. And I'm like, do you know what that is? And she's like, no. Hello. I was like, oh lord, <laughs> we gotta watch it. See, so but this movie is about this lonely kid who just so bullied i mean he's bullied and he's well, desperate for an escape well, he's he's also he lost his mother yes and that that's part of the yes. the the loneliness that he feels yeah and i think this is uh this movie for me is just pure pure nostalgia fuel and and you talk about his losing his mother i think this movie just has inspired another one of my new favorites, which is a monster calls, which if you haven't seen that movie, you should watch it. It's, it's very, very emotional. And I don't think it's appropriate for kids because of how deep and emotional it is. I mean, I'm a 30 year old man crying through the entire movie. So, but the never ending story is the perfect family film. I think it might be, I mean, our mom did not like this movie, not at all. <laughs> but I think it, because of where we are now in our generation, uh, you know, Jamie, you would show this to your kids. I have shown it to my son. Yeah, and and, and he didn't have he didn't have the reaction that I was hoping for. Well, obviously, because it's older. Well, not just that, but I mean, like the movie. So much of the stuff doesn't hold up. I remember being terrified of uh, the wolf Gamork. Yeah, and like I I was like going. It, I literally couldn't always get through the movie because it's like, scary. it's scary. It was scary for me as a kid, not enough to, for me to have drafted it in the horror movie draft, right. but um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't go that far, but like there, there are aspects to this film that are just so good and, and so many of them are memorable, but he, what I, I felt so weird because he didn't have okay so you know in the in the swamp of sorrows oh or my whatever, gosh where so we, we we lose the whole, where we lose our tax yeah and and I I think it's actually very well acted there oh, and I mean and, your heart breaks for him right and for the and, horse and it's it's one of the things of you're looking at it and you're going uh, okay and I'm looking at my kid and I'm going like no reaction here what's going on is there something wrong with my kid um or is there something wrong with it with this film does it not hold up and i like who framed roger rabbit i think it might be a dark horse sort of thing like it's not going to resonate with everybody yeah for sure but this i feel like it's almost going to be a cult classic for years it years. is a cult classic for, for years and years ago well actually it's actually pretty pretty critically well received for that really? yeah for, for this genre i guess but um yeah that's my final pick emily you have the final pick of all, all right. so it better be good it is a really good one and 
And you know it's good because they have come out with remakes. Or not remakes, but continuations recently. Oh, like a spiritual sequel? Well, yeah. the never-ending story had sequels, too, and they weren't very good. Okay, well, what I mean is that people loved this movie so much that they basically, I'm assuming, begged for them to make some more. And that is the 1995 movie, Jumanji. Ooh, nice. Jumanji. Wait, what year is it? 1995. There you go. What did I say? No, I. Oh, okay. it's a quote from the movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jumanji, a game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Nice. So, um, yeah. So, of course, I, I had to have a, a Robin Williams movie on here. Mm-hmm. I, I had multiple Robin Williams movie. You know, not all of them made in my top five, but um, he was someone who brought a lot of joy um in movies growing up and um so yeah uh i think that it's just a really fun action-packed movie um first off i love board games i come from a game playing family so i wouldn't want to play this board game (laughs) but you know you have basically the 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 lead character rob williams character alan parrish he it's not him starting off he's a younger he's a kid mm-hmm. and uh i feel like he's kind of bullied he's looking for an escape uh he plays his board game and he gets stuck in the board game for 26 years and then you meet these two kids who just lost their mother and they find the board game and they continue it this sounds like the never ending story <laughs> so these two kids brother and sister they continue the game and out pops alan parrish who is now robin williams and he is it's 26 later he's he's been trapped in a jungle and the only way to make this terror which there are actual scary parts of this movie i mean Mm -hmm. for at least me as a kid i found parts are scary but it is thrilling, I guess, would be a better way That's to say like it. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes. You don't know what's going to happen. There's so many exciting things. Um, but they discover the only way to make all of this crazy horror to stop is to finish and beat the game. So um, they get someone from Alan's childhood who started the game with him. They have to go get her. And they play. The four of them play and um they almost become a family which is so important because Mm -hmm. alan lost his family he's been trapped in a jungle for 26 years and sarah which is the girl that played with alan bonnie hunt's character she kind of has been driven crazy with she saw alan get sucked into this game and then these two kids just lost their parents it's actually both of their parents i'm sorry Mm -hmm. not just their mother so it's basically you know they're going through these hard experiences defeating this game together but it's bringing them together as basically a family so again you see this family value with a lot of excitement throughout so i think it's a classic and the new movies are great too you got kevin hart jack black the rock and they just come together to make this hilarious team that don't forget about karen gillen yes um but my scots girl yeah so i mean the new movies are great but i feel like for this, you have to go back to the classic. And I, I agree. And, and one of the things I think, you know, about Jumanji with both the, the scare points, you know, one thing about, about children's movies is I think a number of the films that we've drafted have 
elements that are certainly scary. A labyrinth. Um, I think Hook's Hook has has a number of them. I don't think you get through a Spielberg. Yeah, yeah you don't get Goonies. A Goonies yeah, does. I mean, mean your never-ending story. Harry does. Potter. Harry Potter. You got um, the Dementors. Sure. Sloth, Sloth is definitely played to be this sort of horrifying character in the Goonies, right. and then he turns out he's very friendly with right. them. Heavyweights even has its minor little scary points. Not super scary, but you know, jump kind of scares and yeah, but and fearful moments. The thing is, is family films can have that, and family films should have that. But what we don't, it's it's good because you know there's there's little moments in those that you want to drive the little kids to seek the arms of their parents or, or their aunts mm. or uncles or their, uh, their babysitter or whoever, grandparents, whoever's watching them, you know, and it's, it's good for that. They're older siblings. That's even. sweet. And, and, it, but it's, it's really part of it because it's like, well, you know, where is it safe? Well, your yeah. family, and that's where it's safe. And the other thing about this film, um, you know, you have like, that you, you said, you know, the kind of the object, the plot of the movie is they have to finish this game together. One, they, you know, they do become a family, but it's, it's about persevering. Yeah. And it's not just, you can't do it by yourself. And it kind of ties in with cool, cool runnings is, you know, you're going to have to stick together and fix this thing, no matter how daunting it might be, because giving up isn't an option. Yeah. And we've seen what happens in Jumanji when they do give up and it causes horrible things. It makes uh, Bonnie Hunt, you said her character is completely neurotic. Uh, Alan Parrish's, crazy, yeah. yeah, Alan Parrish's, you know, dad, you know, basically kind of goes crazy and dies mm -hmm. and trying to find his son trapped in the you know, game. Yeah. Right. And so like, it's this, it's this thing of where you actually get to see the, horrible aspect of not persevering and then trying to make it better after the fact. And we learned that, you know, there's, you know, a way to make it right. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's really good in that regard. So let's, uh, let's, let's go back and, and go over our top five again. Emily, go for it. All right. So my top five family, non animated movies, number one, the greatest showman. Number two, it's a wonderful life. Number three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Number four, Matilda. And number five, Jumanji. And mine, that is James. My number, my top five draft is number uh, one, The Muppet Movie. Number two, Cool Runnings. Number three, Home Alone. Number four, Heavyweights. And number five, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And mine, Ian here, uh, are number one labyrinth number two the princess bride number three the goonies number four hook and number five the never-ending story <laughs> okay now to keep things simple and quick we're gonna have two bench warmers two bench warmers two honorable mentions we could sub these in when our uh when our other movies get injured, when the, <laughs> our disc is in reserve, our VCR yeah. ate the tape. So, all right. So we're going to let Emily go with her first bench warmer here. All right. So my first bench warmer is Enchanted. Nice. So starring Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey and James Marsden. Oh, you also have Susan Sarandon. Uh, it's basically like this animated movie, this princess movie come to life. And 
they spit out this princess into New York City. And it's really hilarious. Uh, you have this princess, these fairy tale characters um, encountering New Yorkers. So it's really funny and uh, it's enjoyable. Musical. All right. So my first honorable mention is going to be Homeward Bound. Uh, I, it's a nostalgia film for me. You got to love it at least in this movie where the animals talk, their mouths don't move. It kind of bugs me when you actually like have talking animals that talk. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's one of the things of, it, it's nice because it's like they're normal animals, but this is like the vibe they're giving off. Anyway, it's a great adventure story. It's feel good. Um, it has a little bit of dark, you know, darkness in it, which every good family movie has to some extent or other, but Homeward Bound is my first honorable mention. Well, I just, I have so many that are just like, just so nostalgic for me that I know that when I have kids, they're going to watch this movie. And some of them I'm going to show them to my wife because she's never seen him. Cause again, almost a different generation. And I think the first one for me is definitely going to be the Sandlot. This movie is so fun. I mean, so quotable, so fun. And uh, I don't I don't have much else to say, but I don't want to get too far into it because Emily's not seen the film yet. So we'll we'll let that we'll let that baseball coming of age story just speak for itself. All right. My second bench warmer. And final. And final bench warmer, even though I have more on the list, but Anyway, is Mrs. Doubtfire. Robin Williams again. Again, I obviously love Robin Williams. I remember watching this with my mama. So great memories. I mean, he dresses up as a old lady in order to get to his children and spend time with them because he's going, they're going, he's going through a divorce with his wife and all he wants is share custody with his kids. So I think it's a great um, film to teach kids about that and it's hilarious so i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it hello hello <laughs> yeah I, I don't think you can i don't think you can go wrong with a robin williams film uh for the yeah. most part i thought about flubber oh, <laughs> way too much flubber oh, way i too, forgot about flubber i've thought about that movie way too much during this draft but you see i actually liked the uh the so i actually thought about the um the original Disney movie. It wasn't Flubber. It's the now I can't think of it. The the absent-minded professor. Um, but that's not my that's not my choice. But you yeah, know, go with your that, choice. What's your choice, buddy? All right, my choice is the going, last bench former. It's a toughie. Yeah, like everybody else has said, because there's so many good family movies. But I'm gonna go with one of Ian's childhood favorite films. Milo and Otis. Oh, again! They're I went so with, cute. I went with another. I went with another animal, pet, animal yeah. movie, like a pet movie. And you don't own any pets. You're so adamantly <laughs> against owning pets, and we're over here fending off my, our dogs who have been without us for hours now, to, for almost an hour and a half. To to be clear, to be clear, I'm not adamantly opposed to other people owning pets. I just don't want to own pets myself. Not because I don't like them, but because. I just don't want to take care of them. That's not my, that's whatever, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. That's your jam. That's not my jam. Milo and Otis is a great film. I think it's like the original Homeward Bound in some ways. And I think it's a great movie for kids of all ages to watch. And frankly, I think I need to go put it on for my two-year-old. So my last bench warmer here, 
Well, I thought about Milo and Otis for a little while, but uh, I got so many that I could pick from, but I'm going to pick Mary Poppins. Nice. The original Mary Poppins. We Disney needed some classic. We needed some 60s Disney movies in here. Dude, this this movie also just fun and it's very uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Wholesome? Yeah. Well, yeah, wholesome. Musical numbers, super califragilisticexpialidocious. You just get Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. They're all-time greats, and I just can't. What? I mean, this movie's just so good. We had the sing-alongs, uh, VHS of this. Like, oh yeah, it was, it was the Disney sing-along songs, and we had the Mary Poppins version. So we watched just the songs more than we actually watched the film. And so, like, I can still, right. I can sing along with all the songs to Mary Poppins. It's so good. All right. Well, that rounds out our drafts. Just to recap on your bench warmers, Emily. I had Enchanted and Mrs. Doubtfire. I had uh, Homeward Bound and Milo and Otis. And I had The Sandlot and Mary Poppins. Well, I think that's a good, we have a really good selection of films. Yeah. So, so, but this rounds out our live action, family friendly films draft. All right. Well, this has been the Cine Siblings podcast. I'm Ian. I'm James. And I'm Emily. Until next time, go watch a new movie. Or catch an old one. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Cine Siblings Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cine Siblings Pod. 